Matthew chapter 16 is where we're going to be reading from our Bible today. Normally, as you know, we're going through the Gospel of Mark in the morning service, but today we're going to take a little detour because of this anniversary and talk about a subject that's very dear to our heart, and that's the subject of the Lord's Church. So Matthew 16, if you're able to stand, please stand with us today as we read just a few verses from the Word of God. Um, You know, anniversaries uh, are meaningful. Uh, Just let me think about this for a moment. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, after after God delivered His people out of their Egyptian bondage, every year at the Passover time, they would remember what God had done for them. It was a built-in reminder on their calendar, a time of remembrance, a time of thanksgiving. We as a nation, every year, uh, we celebrate our nation's independence. We celebrate the anniversary of the founding of our nation. And in a similar way, I think it's good to think about our church's Beginning, It's been my privilege uh, to speak at a number of anniversary services of churches over the years. Matter of fact, last week, my wife and I were in Hamilton, Ohio, where they celebrated their 40th anniversary of the starting of that church. So I just say all that to say it's good, I think, to remember God's past goodnesses, but also to reflect on God's goodness today and the future as well. So let's read beginning in verse 13, if you would, First, uh, Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. There was some confusion about who Jesus was. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some, Elias. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus is asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? Verse 15, then he saith directly to them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, talking to Simon Peter, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this portion of the Word of God, for the privilege we have today to assemble in this place, to give praise, Lord, to your name, to gladly submit, Lord, to you, to your goodness, your mercy, your sovereignty in our life. We thank you today for being so good. We pray that you'd bless as we study today. Give us open hearts and minds, receptive to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you very much. This is the first time that the word church is mentioned in our New Testament or in the Gospels. And so, since we're thinking about the anniversary of the church, 
I want us to look together at what Jesus said about His church. He said there in verse 18, Upon this rock I will build my church. So the first thing we want to think about today is the church's builder. You know, who does the, who does the church belong to and who is building the church? Jesus said, I will build my church. You know, the church belongs to Him. It's His church. And Jesus organized this church, this assembly, this congregation during His earthly ministry. Some people may never think about this, but it's clear to me from the Bible that He was the first pastor of the church. Jesus said in John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice. He was a shepherd to those members of the flock. He said in that same passage, The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. Jesus had this congregation that he was building. Jesus is the builder of the church. The church is not a man-made organization. It is a divinely established institution. Divinely meaning God established it. God started it. And that makes church work important. You know why? Because it's God's work. Who's building the church? Jesus said, I will build. Jesus is the builder of the church. Now the church is, the Bible describes it, as the Bible defines it, is not a building. Sometimes we say, I'm going to go down to the church. Well, we, we know what we're talking about, but that's not technically what a church is. The church is the people. The church is the assembly. The church is a spiritual building that Jesus is building. I'm going to say that again. The church is a spiritual building. It's made up of people. We'll look at that in the scripture this morning. And Jesus is the builder. Sometimes we say, so-and-so is going to go and they're going to start a church or build a church. If it's a true church, Jesus is the builder. Now, he uses people in his work, but the church is a spiritual building. The Bible also says the church is a spiritual body. We know that from the New Testament. It also says the church is a spiritual bride. These are terms used to describe the church. It is a spiritual building where God himself resides. Now that may seem like a strange statement, but hold your finger here in Matthew 16 and go to the right a little bit, if you would please, to the book of Ephesians. And we, if you go to Galatians and then Ephesians and if you go too far, you've been Philippians, but Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. Jeff, we'll give you just a moment to find that. And I want to read a few verses that I'll mention more than once in the message today. We're talking about what the church is. The church is a spiritual building. In Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading in verse 19. It says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. And of the household of God. You're part of God's family. He's writing to saints. Those that have been born again. And he said you're part of the family of God. Now look in verse 20. And are built upon. And I just want to make a mental note. Of every time we read a term that has to do with building. And are built upon the foundation. Of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Now do you see these references to what we would think of as building, built upon, 
We have the word foundation that you build upon. You have a foundation. You have a cornerstone. Verse 21, the building is framed together. You see this clear language. But it's not talking about a physical building. It's talking about a spiritual building. And look in verse 22. In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Now what does that phrase mean, habitation? Habitation is where something lives or someone lives. If you think about, a, a, for instance, an animal, that his habitat, it's where he lives. So what is the church? A true church is an assembly that God is putting together, a body, but also a spiritual building, and it's built together for a habitation of God, where God would meet with His people. That's what, the, that's what the Bible teaches about what a church is. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's his church. And he dwells within his church. This is not the only time it says this. In the book of Revelation, it says the churches were like candlesticks, and he walked in the midst of the candlesticks. A little further in Matthew 18, he says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be in the midst of them. I'm talking about he promised to be with us, in the assembly of the church. Now, you can't come to any other conclusion than that if you read and study the Bible. So the church's builder is Jesus. It's His church. Now, a lot of us know that there are congregations or religious institutions or organizations that have church on the sign, but they don't meet the criteria of a New Testament church. My wife and I were in Hamilton, Ohio, last week and on Sunday morning we got to the church a little early and we took a drive down past the church and in about a mile or so I don't think it was more than a mile but maybe a little more than a mile we must have seen I don't know six or eight different kinds of churches and three of them were of the same denomination (laughs) it's amazing but some of them have doctrines that are far from what's in the Bible. They would, you couldn't really consider that a true church. If it's not, and we'll talk about why we wouldn't in a moment in this next point I want to make. But the point is, everything that has church on it is not necessarily a church. But he, he presides over his churches. He is the head of his churches. Every local congregation. And by, because of that, we want his, as members of a church, as people who assemble with the church, as people who are part of that spiritual building, we want his leadership. We want his oversight in our church because it's his church. We, you know, I've seen people get upset because they don't have their way in the church. And you may, this may surprise you, but I don't always have my way. But I'll tell you, it's not important that you or I have our way. What's important is he has his way. Because it's his church. You know, we say, well, I'm, I'm, I want it to be this way. Well, we want it to be his way. And it's our desire and our purpose to determine what his way is. So who's the builder of the church? Jesus is the builder. And the second question I want to think about from Matthew chapter 16 is, what is the material that makes up the building? If he's building a spiritual building, what are the materials he uses in the construction of that spiritual building? He refers in, in the passage uh, to the foundation. We've, we saw that reading just a moment ago. The church's foundation. And what is the church's foundation? 
Uh, Look, if you would, please, in uh, this text in Matthew chapter 16, and where Jesus is speaking to Peter, and he said, um, verse 18, And I say unto you, I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. I'm going to build my church on a rock. On this rock I will build my church. Now, what is the rock the church is built on? And it's the person of Jesus Christ. The rock is built on Jesus Christ. This may seem kind of incidental, but it's really important. When, when Jesus said here in verse 18, Thou art Peter, um, or yeah, verse 18, Thou art Peter, it's a translation from the Greek word Petros. Petros, Peter, sounds kind of like Petros. And the word Petros is like a stone or a rock. And he says, you're Peter, you're a stone, you're a rock. But he says there in verse 18, upon this rock, and that's a different Greek word, it's Petra. And that's a massive rock, a boulder, a large stone. Not build his church on Peter. He built his church upon himself. He's the foundation. The church was not built upon a man. It was built upon Jesus Christ. And let's go back to the original question, if you've got your Bible open there in Matthew 16, and look in verse 13, when Jesus asked this question to his disciples, whom do men say that I am? I, the Son of Man, am. And as I said earlier, some said, you, John the Baptist, we covered this in the study of Mark some, a couple of months ago. But Herod, Herod believed, when he heard about what Jesus was doing, King Herod thought John the Baptist, who had been beheaded, had risen from the dead. Some people thought it was Jeremiah. Some people thought it was another prophet, maybe Elijah. And by the way, it matters a great deal what a person thinks about Jesus, who Jesus is. These people were wrong about who Jesus was. You say, well, everybody has their own opinion. I guess that's true in a sense, but the only opinion that really matters is God's opinion. We want to know who Jesus really is. And so Jesus said to his disciples, whom say ye that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who is, and you ought to answer the same question. Who, is G, who do I think Jesus is? And there's only one correct answer. And Peter had the right answer. If you look there in verse 16, he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He, Jesus was not just a prophet. Jesus was not just a spiritual leader. Jesus was not just the greatest teacher that ever lived. Jesus was the Son of God. He was not just a miracle worker. He was the Christ. He was God's Son. He was Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was God robed in human flesh. That's who Jesus was. That's, and, and we need to understand that. The church is built upon Jesus, who was God in the flesh. And notice what, when Peter answered that question in verse 16, Jesus said in verse 17, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Jesus said to Peter, You did not come to this understanding about who I am, by your own intellect, by your own reason. He said, the only reason you know this is because my Father revealed it unto you. And there are lots of people, even religious people, who are messed up about what Jesus is and who Jesus is. But I'm telling you, if you have the, and I, we have the truth of the Word of God right before us. 
And, and he's the one that shows us that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And it's revealed by God. And he is the foundation upon which the church is built. Uh, in the book of Acts, it, it quotes from the Old Testament, from Psalms actually, talking about Jesus when it says, The stones which the builders have rejected have become the head of the corner. Jesus is the cornerstone that the church is built upon. Now, in just a moment ago, and I'm not going to turn back to it, but we read in Ephesians chapter 2 about the church being a spiritual building. And please listen carefully as I read this small portion of that, of that passage. G- the Bible says, And ye are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, you know, when we got ready to build this building uh, a number of years ago now, obviously, you know, one of the most important things at the time we cleared off this portion of ground, got it leveled, was to get a good foundation under this building. You know, when we built the house that we live in, I remember when when that was being constructed and digging footings around and preparing to build, make a good foundation. If the foundation's right, not right, nothing will be right. And so the church is built upon a foundation. And what is that foundation? First of all, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Jesus, it's built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But that verse we just read says it's built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now what does that mean? It's built upon the foundation. The church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now, what do we get from the apostles and prophets? We get God's truth. We get God's word. So the foundation of the church, Jesus is the head, the cornerstone, but the foundation that has to be right is the word of God. It's the words of the apostles and the prophets. It's the revelation that God has given to us. Jesus is the cornerstone and the Word of God. A true church is built upon the Word of God, the teachings of the Bible. It's not built on programs. It's not built on people's personal preferences. It's It's not built upon anything else but the Word of God. If it's not built on the Word of God, it's not a true church. I read an interesting article Uh, this week about a man who's starting a church in another state. It It was on the news. It was noteworthy. Now, he had been a pastor of another church at another place, and because of his immorality, he was asked to to step down from his position as a pastor. And he went to another church. And there in this other church, he did the same thing again. As a matter of fact, his wife divorced him because of his continued immorality. And so the article was that he was starting another church, this time in another state. And people were coming. And he said, I believe this is what God wants me to do, because I think because of where I've been, I can help people. You know the only problem with that? He's building a church on a foundation that's not solid, because it's not biblical. You don't just go out and build a church like you want it to be. We build a church the way God wants it to be. So it's, that's the foundation. So there, what, is this, what are the materials? Number one, the foundation has to be right. And Jesus is the cornerstone. And the Word of God is the foundation upon which we build. 
right? But then you have, so you have a building that has a foundation. That's great. But if you're going to have a spiritual building, you, it needs to be framed together. You need to have walls, right? You need to have a place for those, for the, to assemble. It doesn't have to be a building, but spiritually it has to be. And, and what is, hold your finger right here in Matthew 16. We're going to go the one last passage, and it's way near the end of the New Testament to 1 Peter. And I want to see what Peter said about this. That we're talking about the structure, the materials that build up. The spiritual building, a sound New Testament church. In 1 Peter chapter 2, look with me if you would please in verse um, 5. Peter says, ye also, talking to the readers here, these believers that he's writing to, ye also is lively stones. Picture that as like a brick, like a stone, like this building has brick around it. Your lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. So we've already talked about the foundation But who is it that makes up the stones that construct this building? Peter says, you are lively stones. You are living stones. The church is a spiritual house. The foundation is Jesus Christ and the message of the prophets and the apostles. But the, the members of the church make up the living stones. They make up the spiritual building with Jesus being the chief cornerstone. It's, it, to me, when I think about a, a church, a sound church, a New Testament church, a church that Jesus is building, the foundation has to be right, and he's building it with people. The church is made up of members. It's made up of people. Members make up the spiritual building, just like members make up the spiritual body. God, that's God's plan. Now, I want to quickly answer a question that just has to be addressed, and that is this. What are the requirements of being a member of one of the Lord's churches? And they're not complicated. Just two simple requirements, but, but vital requirements. The first one is a person has to be saved, right? Only saved people can be a member of the Lord's body. You must be born again. People can have their name on the church roll and not really be saved, not really be a member of the spiritual building that Jesus is building. People sometimes confuse church membership with salvation. And there's two different, two entirely different things. Before you can ever be a member of a church that Jesus is building, that doesn't mean you can't come and attend, but if you're not a member, you, can, you have to be saved first of all. You have to be born again. You have to have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus came to save sinners. And you can be, you can be a Christian, you can be a part of the family of God and never be a member of a church. But Jesus didn't come just to make church members. He came to, to bring us into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You must be born again. And if you're here today and you're not saved, more than anything in the world... You need to be born again. You need to be saved by the grace of God. 
And this other stuff's important, but don't get the cart before the horse. The first thing is you have to be saved. And you can be saved today by coming to Jesus Christ with an open heart and receiving him as your savior. And you'll never regret that day. I'll tell you, when Jesus passes by, everything's different. Thank God for that. But once you're saved then, if you're going to be a member of the church, you have to be scripturally baptized. And we talk about that and teach about that. I'm not going to spend much time on it. But baptism, here's a baptistry up here. When people get baptized, that does not make them a Christian. They're, they're, They're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. But when they get baptized, they're identifying with Christ, identifying with his death, burial, and resurrection. And that when the moment they get baptized, they're united with the church. They become a member of the church that baptized them. We have clear teaching of this in the New Testament. Acts chapter 2, I'll give you one of the most clear representations of this. And that was on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached. And the Bible says, And they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the Lord added unto them about 3,000 saved. The church was already in existence. But these people got saved, they got baptized, and the Lord added them to the church after they were saved and baptized. So here we find in this in this clear teaching of the New Testament, what the church is. It's not a man-made organization. It's not something that was concocted by men who said, you know, we need to start a religious organization. You know, I I was talking to someone uh, yesterday going door to door, and this person says, well, I'm I'm really not very religious. And I said, really, I'm not here to talk about religion. I'm here to talk about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's, it's, there's a world of difference in religion. People are killing uh, each other in the name of religion. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus died a real death on a real cross and took our sins, not just figuratively, but our, literally our sins and the penalty of our sins We're taking upon his body on a tree. He suffered and died in your place, in my place. He paid the penalty. I could never come before a holy God because I'm a sinner and God is holy. I could never go to heaven and be with God because of my sin. And no matter how much I try to do better, I'll never do enough good because I'm still a sinner. But the good news is Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Him who knew no sin was made to be sin. That I could be forgiven of my sins. That I could go to heaven one day. And one day, by the grace of God, I heard the gospel like this. And I said, Lord, I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to go to heaven. And by simple faith in Jesus Christ, I didn't know a lot of Bible verses, but I knew I was a sinner. And I knew I was lost. And I knew that Jesus Christ died for my sins. And not only did He die, He was buried and raised again on the third day. That I could be forgiven of my sins. Isn't that wonderful? That's why it's called the gospel. The good news. And that that day, by faith, I said, Lord, I come to the foot of the cross and as best I know how, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And I don't understand how it all happened, but I'm telling you, Jesus passed by. And my life's never been the same. Aren't you glad for salvation today? Now you may be here today and you've never done that. You've never personally received Christ. You don't have to get baptized to be saved. 
You don't have to join the church to be saved, but you must receive Jesus Christ. You must receive Him. He came into His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave you the right to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on His name. I'm telling you today, no matter where you've been, what you've done, no matter how far you may think you're away from God, no matter how much you may think it's not possible for you to ever have a relationship with God, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ paid for your sin. and He's willing to save you if you'll come to Him today. And I challenge you to do that. Decide right now. That's what I want to do. Nobody ever got saved by accident. Nobody ever got saved tomorrow. Everybody that ever got saved got saved in the present tense. They got saved when they come to Jesus and they put their faith and trust in Him. And I would urge you to do that. And if you, if you hadn't been saved, come today. In just a few moments, we're going to we're going to have a hymn of invitation and the, the instrument will be playing and we're going to be praying. And you may be here today and you're thinking, man, that's what I need. I'm, I'm, I may never join this church, but I want to know I'm going to heaven. You ought to come today. I'll be standing right here at the front. Just come. You say, what do people think? People, first of all, you may not be the only one coming. Second of all, people will be glad. Amen. Amen. A lot of people were glad when I got saved. Me too. <laughs> Amen. You ought to come to Jesus today. Now hear me. If you're here today and you say, well, preacher, I know I'm saved. Have you been baptized since you were saved? You ought to think about that. The first thing God commands a true believer to do is to be scripturally baptized. You ought to say, well, I want to get baptized as soon as I can. Or maybe you're saying, I'm looking for a church home, a place where I can, where I, it's really a, a church built on the foundation of the Word of God. I thank God for our church. We're not perfect. We make mistakes, I make mistakes, everybody makes mistakes. But I thank God for the institution of the Lord's church. And I thank God for His faithfulness. To, I, I thank God for it today. And I, without hesitation, I encourage people, come to our church. You come to our church, you'll be loved. You'll hear the Word of God. And that's what it's built on, the Word of God. Not the opinions of men, but the Word of God. That's the, that's the church that Jesus is building. You ought to come today. Or maybe today you say, I just, I, just, uh, I know I'm saved and I've been baptized, but I just had not been living for the Lord like I should. I'll tell you, there's never a better time than now to make spiritual decisions. Don't, don't make the mistake of just keep putting it off. One of these days, I'm going to get serious. One of these days, I'm going to start living for God. One of these days, I'm going to be a faithful member that people can depend upon. Decide right now, I'm going to start growing as a Christian. I'm going to let God have His way in my life. You can make those kind of decisions today. I encourage you to do that.